back with the Skinny Confidential Him and Her podcast, episode six. And we have a lot of spicy topics today. We're talking about lifestyle choices, finding your passion, and boob jobs. Boob jobs. Boob jobs. <laughs> um, Jordan is in Peru. It's just Michael and I today. Um, we bogged her down with so much work that she, she took off. She fled down to Peru, and I don't think she's ever coming back. I don't blame Jordan, her. She's we will drinking miss you. Pisco sours by the pool. So first things first. Let's address a couple things. Firstly, the sound. Um, so we decided that we would move our podcast to our office instead of our home. Yeah, we thought that um, in the beginning we thought that it would be great to film it in our home on video and sound so that you guys could tune in on YouTube. I have actually spoken with Lauren and we've decided to next the YouTube aspect of the show. It just became too much. Um, it was too much production. We have too much going on and we were just you know struggling to produce that content. Plus, it's a podcast, so I feel like a podcast shouldn't be really on YouTube. It's more just, you know, for iTunes, and hopefully we can get it streamlined somehow to Android users. I'm hoping Yeah, that was another reason we did it, is we were hoping that YouTube would be good for Android users. I'm going to find a solution for the Android users, so don't worry about them. Mr. Solution, man. Mr. Solution. Um, but also, our floors at our house were marble, so we got a lot of comments about the, the sound. It the wasn't, echo. It wasn't necessarily because we don't have the right equipment. It's because we had a huge echo from the marble floors in our home. So Let me just tell you about something with Michael and equipment. He does his research for six million hours. He gets the best equipment you can get. Um, he he tries all different things. So the equipment is definitely great equipment. It was just the marble floors, which um, I'm obsessed Every with. Every time so. a bad sound comment came in, I whipped Taylor <laughs> in the back and berated him with verbal abuse like you have never seen. The guy... Needs to go to therapy now. <laughs> no, Taylor's in the background with his red headphones on, ready to go. So anyway, so we have a new location, and the sound's going to sound better, and there's no more YouTube video. You're just going to be able to find us on iTunes. Michael's going to create a solution for the Android users. Stay tuned. Um, let's hop right into it. What's the first question? Okay, so the first question is from Lauren Fur. She, she asks, you're always talking about what about doing what you love and leaving a job if you're unhappy or uninterested. What do you do if you feel like you don't have a passion? How did you discover your passions? So I'm going to jump right into this. I think some of you are maybe misunderstanding what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you should quit your job today and rock, walk out with your middle fingers up saying that you're never coming back. That I would be fun though, I feel it like. Would, I mean, it would be a cool move. Um, <laughs> you'd probably get some good... Don't do it, don't do it. Yeah, but... I'm not saying you need to leave right now, but what I was saying is if you're waking up every Monday morning and you're not happy with what you're doing... Make a change. Make a change, yeah. You can start looking for another job. You can start working towards another career path. I don't think that you should settle in. Um, Someone asked me a question today and they said, hey, you know, maybe you should speak onto this because not everyone can go and start their own business. That's true. I'm not saying that everyone should go and start their own business. All I'm saying is that everyone should be doing something that they love or that they like. Um, if you're, it, 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 it doesn't even really have to do with passion. It just has to do with your well-being. I think, too, there's nothing wrong and no shame in the game to be working at a job and working on your passion at night or in the morning or whenever you can fit it in. Even if it's for an hour a day, time block that shit. Create one hour to three hours a day where you can be completely un, like interrupted and just work on maybe a mood board, creating a mood board of what what you love, what you don't love, what you hate, pros, cons, and keep adding to it. 
maybe it's writing, maybe it's blogging, maybe it's modeling, whatever it is, take a chunk of every single day and practice your passion. Nothing just comes overnight. Um, I didn't know how much I loved branding until I started blogging. And in fact, I've said this before, branding is actually more interesting to me than anything. And that came through blogging. So start doing little things you love. And sometimes through those little things, you'll discover the bigger passion. Yeah. And let me just add to this. I think Lauren is very fortunate and very lucky. And I've always said this to her that she found her passion very early on. She knew she wanted to do to do what she's doing now. And I've always envied her for that. And it took me a really long time to figure out what my passion was. And, it, and what I had to do was start being very, very honest with myself. I've done multiple business deals and I've been involved in multiple companies. And I never really had that spark of like, wow, this is my thing. This is my passion. It wasn't until I was really honest with myself and realized that I'm passionate about business. I'm passionate about helping people like Lauren out. I'm passionate about starting new deals or starting new companies. Like that's what gets me going. It's not, it's not something as simple as blogging or writing or... And again, it doesn't have to be simple. Like you said the other day, it can have to do with you just love to watch reality television. Well, Make a career Let me ask that. you this. What did you want to be when you grew up? When I grew up, I was like 10. I wanted to be a babysitter. Okay, see, everyone used to ask me this question. I would sit there with a blank stare because I thought my answer was wrong. When I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a businessman when I grew up. And I know that sounds really strange. People are sitting there like, yeah, right, this guy wanted to be a businessman. No, it's true. My dad was an entrepreneur. He was self-employed his whole life. He started in real estate. Um, he never really had a traditional company. He was more of a deal maker. And he would come home every day in a suit with a briefcase. And I remember that's what I looked up to when I was a kid. I was like, oh, my dad is a businessman. People would ask me what my dad did. And it wasn't something like firefighter or butcher or, you know, artist. It was, you know, he was a businessman. That's what I knew him as. So I wanted to emulate my dad growing up. I, that's, that's what I wanted to be. And that's what I am. And just to play off that, I have to say that I was at San Diego State University and everyone around me knew what they wanted to be, it felt like. I had no clue and I really want to tell you guys for two years of my life, I thought I was lazy. I didn't want someone to tell me what to do. I wanted to beat to the tune of my own drum. I had, you know, this voice that sometimes is maybe offensive. I'm not for everyone. Um, I just thought that I would just like kind of float through life being a bartender and what it was, was I hadn't discovered what makes me tick. And once I discovered that, this whole new world opened. And as you grow and you evolve with that, more passions come through that. So if you can just find something tiny that you love, just start growing it. All right. Yeah, next and I question. think I think just one final point. I think you need to start being very, very honest with yourself. Maybe your thing is sitting in front of the TV for twelve hours a day watching reality TV and then gossiping about it on the internet. I just Lauren's, I, I kind of touched on this earlier with Lauren. If that's your thing, you can make a business about it. Don't, don't be ashamed to say to somebody, hey, look, my passion is watching reality TV and blogging about it on the internet or writing about it on the internet. I mean, your passion could be anything you want and it doesn't have to fit society norms. Just, you know, you don't have to have that, my passion is this and this is my business. Your passion can be anything. All right, does that next answer that? Next question. Okay. The next question from at Lily Post, Lily.post. When do you think you should move in with a significant other? How long should you wait and should you move into someone else's place? Lauren? Here's the thing. My opinion on this is very strong. If you have read The Skinny Confidential, you 
um, kind of know my opinion on it. I believe that there is only one time in your life when you can feel 100% free and liberated, and that is when you're living alone. You sort of find yourself, you find what you like and what you don't like, you find the style of your, of your home. Now, if you cannot afford to live in your own home or your own one bedroom or studio, that's fine. Get a roommate and really make your room like, like kind of like your home. Embrace that time. I would suggest instead of rushing to move in with someone that you just really enjoy the time that you have to be independent without a significant other. You have your whole life to live with them. A lot of people would say, well, I want to move in with my boyfriend because I want to find out he's the one. Personally, I feel like you know if your boyfriend's the one without moving in with them. You're not being real with yourself if you don't. I think that that's a question that you can find out pretty quickly. Now, maybe not everyone's I mean, as black I mean, and white as I mean, me, what, but... Why, why are you girls in such a damn rush? I'm not in a I rush. Mean, in fact, I'll move out right now. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll move out tomorrow into my own place. Oh. I loved living alone. I, always, I, I did want to make your office into a theater room. That could be nice. A theater room? I wanted to make your man cave into, like, a winery. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, that, I think, and this goes with everything. I think business, relationships, moving in, getting married, getting engaged. Why is everyone in such a rush? You have a whole lifetime. I mean... We've been engaged for, like, three years. and we're We so are the worst engaged couple ever. We got we, engaged... We still haven't sent our save the dates out. Yeah, we have a location, though. It's but anyways, to get back to your question, I mean... I don't think that you should move in right away. I, I, I look at it as like, what's the rush? Get to know somebody. I mean, you don't want to be dating somebody for six months and realize they're a Freddy Krueger. And next thing you know, you're sharing a bedroom with them and you're in the house with them and all of a sudden the romance is killed and you're stuck with them. I mean, really, you should take the time to figure out if this is somebody that you can actually wake up every day, roll over and look at. There is nothing more liberating than living alone. I, I had so much fun living alone. And on that note, I also had fun living with roommates. I beat to the tune of my own drum. No one would wake me up. Sometimes Michael wakes me up and I want to stab him. Like, no one told me what to do. No one told me where that picture should be hung. I loved it. Moving in for Michael and I was tough the first two weeks because we both are so type A that it was difficult to put things where they should go. I mean, I feel like now we have, like, a good chemistry with moving in. But at first Yeah, basically, I do what I'm told. Yeah, that's so... You finally realized that. Thank God. You know, um, I had this place before... This is this... to, to touch on the last part of the question about moving into someone else's place. I think I can answer this for long. I had a beautiful place, a penthouse place. Taylor's been there. No, 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 I'm not bragging. bragging. I'm just saying it was a beautiful place, a bachelor pad. It looked over the park in San Diego. (laughs) I loved it. He asked me to move in with him. I said, move in. This place is amazing. I said, no, thank you. Lauren moved me (laughs) out of the place to a low floor. I do, my view now looks at nothing. Our house is, you love our house. No, I do love our house, but... Um, moving into someone's place in all seriousness, I think that could be a big mistake. I think it needs to be... It needs to be our place. Our place. Because when you move into someone else's territory and you're using somebody else's things, they're always going to have that over you. It's always going to be their place, even if they say it's our place. Their towels on the floor. So I recommend finding a place together, taking your time before you do it, really cultivating the relationship, really figuring out if this is what you really want to do. I mean, think about... if, If any of you have ever had a roommate, imagine having that roommate... For 10 years of your life. I mean, that's what you get. So we're only going to be married for 10 years. I've had roommates that have been there for three weeks and I couldn't handle it any longer. My future ex-husband. I also think that, that people will say, well, what if we can't afford to move into our place? I would rather 
tell you to move into a place that's way cheaper and not as cute with a, with one bedroom instead of two than move into someone else's place. And and I also would advise you if you do decide to move in together, create your own spaces within the home. Yes. It doesn't have to be a room. It could be a it corner. It could be it could be a desk. You a could corner. put them outside like I do with Michael, yes. like with the dog. Lauren and I are lucky. I have a man cave and she has her office and his when, man cave. It's like it's all like man. Yeah, I got all my books in there. I got my computer. Black. I got my video games. You yeah, know. talk about it. I mean, that's a cool little man cave. No, and Lauren's got her office. It's very white and bright. It has all her blogging stuff. It has her computer. It, it has, has lighting. TV. That's all I no. care about. So anyways, writing. next question. At Business of BS, as a business major in college, we're constantly told that networking is crucial. What is your advice on networking without seeming unauthentic or like you're engaging in every conversation with a personal agenda? Okay, um, I do agree that networking is very important up to a point. I see a lot of people making a mistake thinking they need to go to every event to do what's so-called networking. Um, I see it a lot in Lauren's industry. I believe that networking is just going and meeting like-minded individuals and developing authentic relationships. I think where people run into trouble networking is they come in, the tail end of this question is very telling. If you have a personal agenda while you're trying to network, you're probably not going to be a very good networker. Nobody likes to, to meet somebody and have a feeling that they're trying to get something from them. My personal take on this when I network with people is I try to bring them some kind of value or I try to develop a a real friendship with them. If something ends up developing from that, great. If we end up doing business from that, great. If we don't, also great. I I would never sink down to a level where I'm networking with people that I don't like or don't have a like mind with. Like I just, I don't, I'm I'm just not going to sink down to that level. Can I be honest? Yes. You know what I'm going to say. Yeah. I don't like networking. I actually hate it. You don't like networking in the sense where you're trying to meet people to get them to get something for you. I do not. I don't want anyone to do anything for me that that they don't want to do. I don't like putting people in that position. Um, I like to be in bed with my chihuahuas and a glass of wine in my computer. I am not a big networker. And in my industry, a lot of bloggers are. They're constantly at blogger events. Um... I am more interested in connecting with maybe brands that are interesting to me other than, I mean, I want to meet other people definitely, but when there's a, an event that's set up for networking, it just feels too forced to me. I don't like it. It's uncomfortable and it rubs me the wrong way. And Michael gets mad at me sometimes because he's like, you no, got to get out there. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with networking, but like I always say, it's quality over quantity. If you're just trying to, to develop a relationship so that you can further your personal agenda, I'm assuming that you probably don't have a very strong network of real authentic people around you. You probably know people, but these, those people probably aren't so pumped up to like help you out. I know that my network may not be as big as others, but the, the quality of that network is very strong. Yeah, and I, I think to play off of that, I the reason that I just don't like it is I just don't like eager beavers people that are just, you know what I mean? Like people that, that there's always like a reason they're talking to you. I like, I like to have real conversation. And when I feel that someone's being an eager beaver, it's immediately a turnoff to me. I, I think that there's a way that everyone can win in a situation. And when there's a forced networking event, for some reason, a lot of the eager beaver personalities. Come yeah, out. I'll be honest. Most of my business partnerships and most of the people I've partnered with in my life, 
have not been from networking per se in a traditional sense. It's been with going to an event, meeting someone, developing a friendship with them, having a couple conversations, being like, hey, you know what? I like this guy. We, let's, let's do something together. It's never been me meeting somebody, me pitching my idea and them you know, catering that idea because I networked with them. Like, you, this, is all, this all just comes down to developing real meaningful relationships. And I, you know, I never had a personal agenda. A lot of the per, uh, partnerships that I've had have just, they've just happened naturally. And I think that's the best way. I mean, anyone that's not doing it that way, I call this the lily pad syndrome. The lily pad syndrome, is it a lily pad that a frog jumps yeah, on? Yeah, don't be the person that's looking Is it at, a lily pad? Yeah, don't be the person looking over someone's shoulder waiting for the better person to come along. So the lily pad syndrome is when you're like a frog jumping from lily pad to lily pad to lily pad. Sometimes in certain industries, I notice that there's people that want to get on people's Instagrams. So they, they, they try to be in groups with those people so they can be tagged. I, I have to just focus on my own trajectory and what I'm doing and, and, and what, what my family's doing or my friends. I can't, I can't be focused on what everyone else is doing and be using someone else to get to where I want to be. I am the type of person that I have to get myself to be where I want to be. And the lily pad syndrome is something that just turns me off. Yeah, so to finalize this thought, yes, networking is important. but To an extent. But you will fail at networking if your intent is to get something from somebody else. If you go into networking with a mind of like, hey, I'm just going to meet some great people and be myself and develop some friendships or some relationships, networking will probably be very, very good for you. If you're a person that's going to further your personal agenda, networking will probably backfire in your face. And I probably won't be at the next networking event that you guys go to. (laughs) I'll probably be in bed with wine. Okay, so um, next question. The Fit Star Callie asks, Michael, Lauren has spoken openly about her boob job. What do you think about boob jobs? And Lauren, what do you recommend for girls thinking about getting them? All right, all right, all right. <laughs> well, we'll, well, 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 well. Well, well, well. We're, going, we're um, taking a turn. I am a big fan <laughs> of good boob jobs, right? Ooh. Like, I don't, I, I think it's very important that if you're getting a boob job that you really consider what is practical. Um, And I'm, you know, maybe shouldn't, I'm just giving a male perspective, but if you have maybe a small chest to begin with, maybe don't think about going triple D. How's mine looking? Lauren's are looking excellent. (laughs) I was looking at them this morning to make sure. Ew, I was asleep, you perv. I will look when I please. (laughs) Sicko. Um, But anyways, no, I'm a big fan of boob jobs if they're good boob jobs. Um, If they're a bad boob job, it could be a disaster. So I think you really need to pay attention to what you're doing. And on that note, I'm going to let Lauren take over because... All I really know is looks. What about how they feel? They feel, feel great. For me, as long as they look good and feel good, I am all about them. Okay. Well, I'll take that over. So, boob jobs. Okay, here's the thing. You have to examine what kind of boobs you have before you get a boob job. You have to, like, if you have boobs that are pointing right and left, which a lot of girls do, and that's fine. I'm not making fun of it. I'm saying that it's, it's a thing. Don't go really big and expect them not to point more right and left. Does that make sense? So you, you don't... You don't want the googly eyes. Yeah, you, well, you, you want to, like, maybe you don't go super big, you just go... Uh, Taylor's like, cracking uh, up right now. Taylor's, uh, Taylor, do you have a boner? Um, so you always want to examine what kind of boobs you have before. If you have really, 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 really big nipples, they're going to get bigger. So just know whatever you have, it's going to be intensified. And there's nothing wrong with having huge nipples. I'm just saying, like, just know, like, what you're getting into before you do it. Also, the difference between saline and silicone. So when I got my boobs done, there was, like, a big debate. 
um, the doctors were saying silicone wasn't good, and so I had saline. Now the silicone is okay, and if I go back under the knife, which I will probably in the next five years, I would get silicone. Um, and also there's a rumor that you have to get your boobs done every 10 years, and that's not true. Um, so definitely talk with the doctor before you like do your maintenance. Um, and I would also say that whatever size you're thinking about getting, go a little tiny bit bigger because what happens is you get these huge tits and then you cut, you're like, oh, they're too big. And then they just kind of go down. So I would get a little bit bigger than you're thinking, unless you're a very tiny girl. You don't want to look matronly, right? So you don't want to have like these like huge matronly tits. You want to, you want to have them right to proportion of your body. I had a small B, which Michael saw before. Yeah, you I saw, did see. You saw them they in were, they high were school. They were good then too. In high school they were good? Yeah, they were good. Thanks, honey. Um, and then from there I got a big C. I'm very happy with my size. Um, you think sometimes they're a little bit too big, but they're not really. I feel like they're good. Sometimes they're cannons. No, they aren't. So, um, so for size, like just make sure you're getting what's proportionate. I definitely don't recommend going too big. I've seen a lot of horror stories with that. And then as far as where to cut the nipple, like we're going to get intense here, um, do a half moon underneath the nipple instead of the entire nipple, if that makes sense. And if you want more on this subject, I wrote about it extremely openly on my blog and you can just Google the skinny confidential boob job. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. my last two cents on it is that if you're thinking about that, just like anything else, you should do it for you and not for anyone else. Don't let yeah, mine was not. Don't let somebody pressure you into doing something you don't want to do, or or vice versa. Um, and I got to be honest, I never thought that I would be on a podcast discussing boob jobs. Well, here you are, and and that and that's I'm, it. Where I'm I'm broadening my range of professional abilities. Okay, well, there's nothing wrong with you being on a podcast talking about boob jobs. I feel like you like it. Taylor likes it. Taylor's so entertained. He's over there with his red headphones ready to go. <laughs> so to all you men that have tuned in for some business <coughs> advice, I hope you got what you came for today. Yep, they, they got what they came for. All right, guys, send in your questions to hashtag askhimandher on Instagram and Twitter. You can also email us at asklauren at theskinnyconfidential.com, but you'll also be asking Michael. Or leave us a comment on our Instagrams or Snapchat us at Lauren Everett's. And at Michael Bostick. And we will see you guys next time. Thanks for listening.